Welcome to Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. I'm your host, Damali Peterman. On this podcast, we invite you to share a conflict that you need help navigating, and I, along with a guest co-host, will share what we would do in that situation to help you reach your breakthrough. Welcome to the show. On today's episode, I am so excited to welcome Michael Trink, everyone. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Damali. Oh my gosh. So I feel like I've known you now for many years and you are just excellent at everything that you do. I don't know how it's possible. You make it look so easy. Yeah. Well, it's not easy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to tell you, I I left my beautiful wife home with uh, a new puppy and uh, it's, uh, it's not easy. Oh, well, tell us about the puppy and also tell us a little bit more about yourself. All right. Great. Well, we got, just got a golden retriever puppy on Friday. How cute. And uh, anybody can talk about having a child in the first few days, but a puppyhood is uh, takes it to a different level, <laughs> especially when there's an older sister who is very concerned about the puppy's well-being as well. So there's been a, a bunch of sleepless nights in the house and specifically me sleeping on the couch to try to take one for the team and wow. give my wife the opportunity to get a good night's sleep to uh, at least be able to get through her day. Oh, that's fantastic. And I like the teamwork there, partnering with Ali and the two puppies. That's amazing. I can't even imagine. I had a puppy for, as you know, for eight weeks, and that was the most I could do with the puppy. So bless you for having two. Once you get through the first eight weeks, you're you're sort of home free. So that's, oh. that's what we're waiting for. You, you missed it by a day. <laughs> I wish I would have called you before, but I was like, no, she bit everyone in my house. She has to go. That's a different problem. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about you when you're not being awesome and making sure that your wife can sleep and taking care of puppies. What are you doing, Michael? Uh, I've uh, been in the restaurant business for 35 years now, and uh, I started out falling asleep and really some of the best uh, banquettes or, or couches in New York <laughs> at, at restaurants when I was a kid. My parents took me everywhere where I didn't want to go. Uh, little did I know 10, 15 years later, that would be the industry that I would follow. And uh, so I started when I was 16, uh, working at a restaurant group uh, called Myriad, which was Tribeca Grill and Montrachet and then Nobu. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for 19 years and then sort of went on my own uh, and became the managing partner of the Capitol Grill. And after five years of working there, I opened my own places and I own a bar on the Upper West Side called Prohibition. For the last 23 years, I own uh, two hamburger places called Lucky's Famous Burgers. Yum. Yes, I think somebody here the has lucky had, sauce. Had, has a few meals there. Uh, and your kids, I thank them. We love Lucky's. <laughs> so uh, I have those two. And I have a Rice Krispie Treat concept called the Treat House. So delicious. Uh, which we are now in Fairway and Whole Foods as of uh, last week. Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, and I'm working on a project called the Baylander, which is a ex-Navy aircraft helicopter refueling station that was used in the Vietnam War Wow! that we purchased and are trying to put a bar and restaurant on hopefully this summer and hopefully I'll have a few events with some friends and family that in the next couple awesome. weeks. That sounds awesome. So let me get this straight. You have taken over the restaurant industry in New York City and when buildings uh, weren't enough, you have now <laughs> a, a boat, a naval vessel that you also own. That's amazing. Well, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to make my life as complicated as possible. <laughs> uh, I wanted to see how many different agencies and organizations I have to get permission. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly a challenge. And at 51 years old, I uh, I think I've exhausted my challenges with the last puppy, the boat. I'm done. And now I'm at Breakthrough. That's amazing. Well, we're delighted to have you in the studio today. Um, I've had the honor of dining 
and basically everywhere. Um, treat house. I love their treat. Um, many activities, events, shows, performances at Prohibition. Love Prohibition. I think it's the best bar in New York City, not just on the Upper West Side, but New York City. And so I definitely think everyone should go there as long as I still get like VIP access in there. Certainly. Um, and then, of course, Lucky's. I mean, Lucky's is always a winner. We can go there anytime and get the best hot dogs, the best burgers, and that Lucky sauce. Man, I don't know what's in there. I know it's a trade secret, but we've tried it. My kids and I have tried to recreate the Lucky sauce, and they just thought it was ketchup and mayonnaise, and clearly it's not that. Some secret yumminess in there. Um, and so thank you for all the wonderful things you're doing to make New York delicious again. <laughs> and fat. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, we should talk about that. But it, fat is good. I mean, yeah, let's not. Fat is good. The food is so delicious, Michael. But we're just thrilled to have you in the, in the studio today. Pleasure and being here. It's great. And you said 35 years in the industry. And I was like thinking, what, were you born in a restaurant? Because clearly you, you look like you're just 32. So I don't know what's going on. But we never said you were a mathematician. So we're yeah. not going to go there. Nope, nope. That's, uh, I only went to college for two years, and maybe that's where the problem, those last two years would have been the, the math problem. Well, what's awesome is uh, having you here, thinking about all the great things that you've seen and heard in the restaurant industry, but also as an entrepreneur. And I didn't know that you were at Capital Grill for so long. I love Capital Grill, that lion right in the front. Sure. It's just like kind of kind of challenging you to come in, but also saying, I'll protect you, which I yeah. love it. Yeah, um, exactly. And so without without further ado... I want to make sure for people who are tuning in for the first time that they know what this show is about. So basically, we invite folks to call into our hotline and to share a situation or a conflict that they're navigating. So basically, something that you like to have some input on from a person who's not involved, right? So you and I, we're neutral third parties. Right. And so basically we have folks call in and then for the first time you're going to hear a message, two messages actually. And then we're going to talk about it and basically say what we would do in the situation if it were us. Awesome. I love problem solving. (laughs) You're actually great at problem solving. So (laughs) I'm lucky to have you in the studio today. And so for people who are tuning in, listen to the show, uh, like us on all the social media, but also pick up your phone and leave a message. What are you waiting for? This is a great format, a great way to get some input and a great way to kind of keep this collective worldwide community of conflict resolvers going. Don't you think, Michael? Sure. Who knew that my entire life of, uh, professional business was literally problem solving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yes, I'm looking forward to these uh, questions. And you're still standing, so you're doing something right. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> sitting, but thank God that we can watch. <laughs> so without further ado, we will play the first message for you. You have, you one, have one message. message. Hi, Damali. This is Peter. I uh, really love the show. Thank you so much for all the wonderful advice that you, you give. Um, I am a struggling entrepreneur. Um, I have a lot of ideas about different things to do and, you know, just thinking about uh, how to take my career to the next level. Um, my question is, how do you best determine what's a good idea, what's a bad idea for business? You know, where would you invest your time and effort? Because I think about a lot of things and I wonder something's really just a hobby or could be scalable. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time watching Shark Tank and some of these other shows and people have, you know, really, you know, a lot of them have really good ideas. Uh, some are not so good, but, uh, just, you know, me personally, since I won't be on Shark Tank anytime soon, just trying to get a sense of where's the best way for me to invest my time and efforts, 
depending on my ideas. Thanks so much. Take care. Bye bye. Well, that was a that was a good question, Michael. Yeah, that was deep. That was deep. <laughs> I feel like I'm determining somebody's life in about ten seconds. <laughs> we'll see what we can do with what we have. What do you think? Well, I tell you, you know, I, I get these questions asked to me all the time when people say to me, uh, "I'm looking for a job," and you know, uh, I, I want to do this, I want to do that, and and I I always think that people should research. Um, you know, the, the specific profession that they're looking at or the, the, the interest that they have. And I'll tell you, my biggest um, advice to people is always to bounce ideas off friends as well as people that are, might be in that industry and sort of get the feedback because it's not until you hear somebody who's a professional in that line of work till you start to get, oh, right, that – because, you know, you watch things on TV all the time like, I can do that. And it's like, whoa, 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 there's there's a lot of steps before you get to that point. No one just woke up one morning and opened a business. And unfortunately, some do if they have the right amount of money. But that being said, if you want to be truly successful, I think it's important that you get um, the optics of other people. And I think that's really important. And, and just get a, gather as much research as possible, pros, cons, what am I good at? You know, what are the threats to opening a business? Um, and And then – you know, location obviously has something to do with it based on where your market is that you're looking. But these are the things I would always suggest to people. I'm so happy you said that because I feel like a lot of people who are contemplating different ideas are so afraid to share their ideas. They're like, what if someone steals the idea from me? And I'm like, how do you know if your idea is great? Or how do you know if someone can help you and help it to grow if you just keep it to yourself? You have to share it. You'd be surprised at how many times a person will say, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell any, anyone. One, why am I going to tell anyone? <laughs> Two, everybody can't take your idea and run with it, right? So if you tell me a book concept or something like, you know, a, a burger recipe, guess what? I'm not going to go out and try to make the next, best, the next best burger. I'm going to go to you and buy one of your burgers because you're doing it and you're doing it well. And so what I tell people to do is absolutely what you said, like go out there, research it, test the idea, look at the optics of it, and then spread it. You, you'd be surprised at who, who could help you. You know, I was thinking about doing something in an industry that I didn't have that much in, in, insight into. And I remember asking, you know, I think I want to write a book. So I'd use the book idea because it's, it's actually a true idea that I have. And I was having tea with someone and I didn't know what she did and I didn't know what she had done in a past life. Well, guess what? In a past life, she worked at Simon & Schuster. And so she had contacts and book agents that she can connect me with. And if I hadn't said that idea, she I would have never given her the opportunity to say that. And so definitely put it out there, right? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think uh, networking is obviously huge, and I know that's a big thing in your in your life and your profession. But it's really important to to receive feedback. Yeah. And and if you have the right people surrounding you, you get honest feedback. And 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 yes, you never know what doors are going to open when you speak to people about things. And I, and I'll tell you to get back to your point about you know ripping off an idea. You know, we have uh, – I have a business called Treat House, which makes Rice Krispie treats. And everybody has made a Rice Krispie treat in their life. And and so everyone's like, oh, aren't you worried that, that anybody can rip you off? I said, we have 35 flavors with 35 different recipes. And depending on the humidity and the temperature and who's, you know, making the Krispies for 23 seconds versus 25 seconds, sure, go right ahead. But guess what? It's not going to be the same product. So, you know, if you have a unique idea – you know, you're, you're ahead of the game. So I, I definitely, um, I think honest feedback, I think asking people their opinions and, and you never know what doors 
it might open and there might be a domino effect to help you be successful. Absolutely. And then with respect to your treathouse example, which I think is poignant and perfect, by the way, um, you have to figure out what your competitive advantage is, right? And so what are you doing that's different from everyone else? You are going to have competitors, right? Um, my grandfather used to say there's never a new idea under the sun. And, you know, he didn't live long enough to see things like Snapchat and, <laughs> and Twitter and things that are new ideas. But it's really amazing because if you figure out what problem you're trying to solve, if you figure out what need you're trying to address – and what makes you uniquely qualified to do that, no one can take that from you, right? Sure. No one can take that from you. And I've tried to make a Rice Krispie tree. It is nowhere near as delicious <laughs> as Street House. Um, I, my boys and I have been there so many times, and I'm always excited about the new flavors. And what I love about Street House, too, is you can get customized things. And so you can get your logo or a picture of your best friend or your or your mom on a Rice Krispie treat and then eat their face. It's yeah. awesome. What's, what's better than eating <laughs> someone's face <laughs> it's awesome sometimes it's funny because i'm like do i eat around it no i'm just gonna bite it i'm just gonna bite it it's so delicious and so what i like too about what peter said was he said he'd been watching a lot of shark tank shark tank i think is an excellent way to to figure out it's an excellent way to conduct research because you can listen to the pitches you can listen to the questions that the sharks are asking and that's how you can test your ideas and so say you're still in the kind of ideation phase where you're trying to think about like is this really something isn't that just an idea or is it an opportunity that i can generate revenue from and so what are the sharks asking is this your full-time job what are they asking how much money have you put into it where are you in the in this phase? are you at proof of concept where are you in development of this idea cost of product margins yeah. all, all the things that go into being a profitable successful yeah. business that they might want to invest in yeah so 100 percent, you know there's always, you know, everyone always asks me, why didn't we go on Shark Tank? And it's like, oh, Shark Tank, it's great, it's great. Well, the only problem with Shark Tank is they probably own most of your company. And <laughs> and, and at, at a certain point, you know, it's no longer your company and you've become a, a small piece, hopefully of a big company or a small piece of an even smaller company. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's funny, you watch the show and you'll see three years later. Yes. <laughs> and, and obviously there's four different, you know, uh, shark, I mean, four different uh, um, uh, inventors are on the show at, at any given episode. And there's like literally one three-year <laughs> re recap every two months. So not everyone is obviously hitting a home run. It's true. And you know what? I actually recently met someone who was on Shark Tank. Mark Cuban decided to invest in her company and she turned Mark Cuban down. And I asked her, I said, uh, tell me, like, what was going on? And her name is Keisha. Uh, her company is uh, called Sanaya, and it's delicious applesauce geared towards adults. And you're like, geared towards adults? Like, why would you say that? And, and because she has amazing, sophisticated flavors, like awesome. lavender pear and lychee and, like, bergamot. I just made that up. I don't know if it's bergamot. But she definitely has lavender, peach, and lychee, among other flavors. And so she said that when the show was recorded, and then when it was released, by the time it was released, her company was the valuation had increased. Awesome. And so I think he was going to put in like one hundred twenty five thousand for twenty five percent and her valuation had gone up. And so I think she ended up saying something like, uh, I don't want to take the investment at this time, but I would love to have you on a, as an advisor. And so I said, how do you turn down, you know, Mark Cuban? I mean, he's like everything. And she said, because, you know, she was looking for more strategic partners at the time and also the valuation had increased. And so, and I said, well, tell me this, 
is it better to have 100% of your company or to give up, sub to give up some of your company to an investor? And she said, let me ask you a question. Is it better to own 100% of a million-dollar company or 60% of a billion-dollar company? And I was like, I'll take billion, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, some of my investors and some of my businesses always say it's, you'd rather be a, a small piece of a big company than a big piece of a small company. Yeah. And so I, I try to remember that all the time. And, uh, you know, and being on Shark Tank – as you're, you know, it's always better to turn down the sharks than for the sharks to turn you down. So, you know, that's a, so a, a completely different, you know, there, there, there aren't that many occasions where that happens where like, oh, I wanted to be a partner of that company. Just, oh. By the way, I haven't had applesauce since my mom cut off, cut up uh, some uh, Tylenol or, or baby aspirin. So I'm not even sure what adults are eating. Well, we got to get you some of this. I'm in. Um, I think it's going to be an 810 Walmarts like next oh, month. Awesome. And it's already in 4,000 stores. Great. And so one day you might see it next to Treathouse and, you know, Fairway and Whole Foods. I'm in. Yeah, it's delicious. It's Good delicious. combo. It's a great combo. Wow, I mean, between applesauce and treathouse, I'd better up my exercise, I think. Yeah, your sugar content <laughs> might go through But the you roof. know what? Um, one of the things that he's asking is how should he invest his time and efforts depending on his ideas. And unfortunately, we don't have the benefit of knowing what his ideas are. So we don't know if there's something that requires like more education. Um, clearly, more research is key to your point. Um, but just assuming that it's something that he already has the ability to do himself, um, I think your point about testing the idea, researching it is great. Um, using Shark Tank, he's already a fan of Shark Tank. He's already watching it. And so kind of testing his ideas with the questions that the sharks are asking. I think, too, um, he mentioned that he was a struggling entrepreneur. I would probably submit that most entrepreneurs are struggling entrepreneurs. <laughs> Yes, um, we are. <laughs> we all are, right? I'm raising my hand for those who can't <laughs> see. Raising my hand, too. I mean, you know, I think we all are struggling until we're not, right? Um, and so just kind of figuring out, you know, he wants to take his career to the next level. And so what does that mean? Is that a certain target? I mean, you're in a few different industries, mostly um, a consumer product goods, right? So you have the Rice Krispie Treats. You're in some, some retail spaces. Um, I offer services, as you know. And so just kind of figuring out, is, is, is it offering a new product or are you targeting a new market, right? And so when you're thinking about your companies, Michael, like how do you continue to reinvent yourself or make yourself relevant? Well, it's it's a the landscape of, you know, business is changing daily. Um, and between the Amazons and, and people purchasing online and Whole Foods and things of that nature, you really, I mean, Treathouse is a, a perfect example of how we've reinvented ourselves. You know, we've had brick and mortar stores and we ended up closing them. We were supposed to open up the, the World Trade Center. We decided to, to forego that location, even though there was going to be a million visitors a day. You know, so at a certain point, you have to evolve and you really, you know, and especially in New York, it's really where real estate's expensive and, you know, the marketplace is, is saturated with competition, it's really important that you, you know, understand who your audience is, who's going to be purchasing this product or the services. So um, location's really a, a big factor in determining what your business is going to be. Um, so, you know, online is, is, is being the proof right now is, is success online. So, um, anything you can do through social media and really limit your expenses. You know, you talk about, um, 
you know, uh, your businesses and not having to pay rent or real estate taxes or electricity or gas and electric and, and dealing with all the different departments um, that take a, a portion of your business, avoiding that is, is certainly, certainly a step in the right direction. So I, I, would, I would really research what type of business model it is and understand the location you want to be in. That sounds great. And, you know, it's, it's just, what's interesting is I have another friend, his name is Michael, Dr. Michael Burnett, actually, and he said something to me that I won't forget, which is, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you make. What matters is how much money you keep. And that's your point exactly. You know, if you're making money but giving it all up for the location and all the other taxes, et cetera, you have to pay, then how much of it are you really keeping, especially the, the upkeep for a brick-and-mortar location? I'm just so happy that Treathouse is still available for me to order those yummy <laughs> treats. I don't care if it was out of your car. I would still go find them and buy those treats. Well, I mean, just to be as transparent as I probably shouldn't be, but, you know, when we sell our treats – in the store, we're selling them for hypothetically $30, $32 for a 12-pack. And now online, we have to sell to people for almost half that price. Mm-hmm. So we sell to Fairway, Whole Foods, any of these in the $16 to $20 range. And we have to our volume has to be so much higher just to, to sort of make anywhere near. So it, it's it's a different it's a different business model. It really is. And really understanding if you're selling cost goods or if you're selling services, the margins are really tricky and labor is high and you know, having less people is unfortunately better in this day and age, especially in New York with minimum wage so high. But there there are certainly a lot of challenges. So it's important that you don't just have an idea, but you research and speak to people that are doing somewhat the same thing you're doing, just so you you see the threats and challenges of, uh, about owning or running a business. I love that idea. Just figuring out, learning from the collective advice of others, trying to not make the same mistakes that they made, if there were mistakes, but just kind of learning the landscape and how to navigate it. I also think that there's an opportunity to learn from people who are not within your industry because there may be some overlaps with you know what they're doing because I'm all for not having to make a mistake or learning from what someone did if I can kind of parlay that to something that affects me or affects my clients. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I think all businesses have the same challenge. Yeah. You know, I, I often say to myself, um, I want to. I want to do what he's doing or she's doing. I, you know, oh, look how they have their problems too. Whenever I have conversations with people who I think are really successful, they come back to me with a whole set of other challenges, and I realize, hmm, my life isn't so difficult. My, <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's not. I'm not the only one suffering through X, Y, or Z. So it's really important. Doesn't you don't have to be in the same exact business to understand what. There are common threats and challenges amongst entrepreneurs in general. That's right. So I, I really uh, – I do 100% agree with you there. That's right. And so hopefully, Peter, that's really helpful. Um, we provided some ideas for you to consider, including research, including figure out figuring out what your competitive advantage is, figuring out what – service or product you're providing, how you are meeting a need or solving a problem and what makes you uniquely qualified to do that. Thinking about 
uh, talking to people who are in your industry or even outside of your industry just to kind of get some ideas and understanding. I like that, Michael, the threats and the challenges and kind of things that can really help guide you along the way and not, you know, being so secretive about it. Right. And so sharing it because you never know who can help you, who can support you. And, you know, being an entrepreneur can be lonely. Right. So it's good to have other people who are in the trenches with you uh, going through things at the same time. And so you can kind of benefit from that collective wisdom, if you will. Yeah, Peter, the, the last thing I would tell you is there is a there's an exercise called the SWOT analysis which stands for uh, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats against your business. And literally write down uh, all the things that come in each category. And with that doing on your own exercise as well as asking other people, you'll certainly start to see which, which category has more um, positives or negatives. Awesome. So you heard it here first. Um, that was really great, Peter. Please, please keep us posted. We love to hear how things are going. We really appreciate when folks who have left messages call back to let us know how things are going. Uh, let us know how we're doing as well. And so without further ado, we will play the next message. You have, you one, have message. one message. Hello, this is Kim. And my question is... Um, how, what, what decisions or what considerations should I make when deciding whether or not it's time to leave my very, very stable full-time job <laughs> to focus on my business? So um, I've been with my company for over 20 years, um, always loved it, went from loving it to liking it, but still great. Um, but I, um, also have a business that's been open for about three years and the business is growing, although not nearly driving any revenue that can help match my salary. Um, over the 20 years at my full-time job, I've been able to travel and, you know, manage, uh, and get the benefits of the travel. <laughs> I've been able to, uh, it's profitable, uh, my job, my salary is, is great. Um, you know, stock options and, and other things um, that le leads it to be a very stable job. The business is my passion. I love being there. I feel like it's my purpose. Um, however, it's not yet generating enough revenue to support my household and my family. So I do feel like in my heart that if I focus all my energy and put all my time and talent, into the business, it will continue to grow, although it won't, you know, maybe not in the near term, um, get me the, the the salary that I carry today, but I feel like I can, you know, that's really where I want to be. So it's been a solid three and a half to four years of doing both. I'm pretty exhausted and don't want to keep doing both for much longer, and I just want some advice on how to consider that um, choice. Do I close the store, maybe wait till I retire from my job to start a new business? Or do I, you know, throw um, all my effort into doing the business and take the risk of not having a job, meaning that I can hopefully always find another one if the business doesn't work out? So, Thank you for this platform to allow us to ask these questions and um, have a great day. Wow. That is, that's a tough one. That is, that is, uh, 
I have a favorite saying. What's I, that? I, I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't create the saying. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. <laughs> um, when you have stability, and you've been working for some company or some place that you like, and you're making a good living, to possibly give it all up on a business model that's unproven is a very, very tricky decision and a life-changing one. And depending on your age, and obviously she's been working at the same company for 20 years, it's even tougher to start over when you're older. It's actually a, a big consideration of myself all the time. Whenever I have a a, a weak moment in my own business and say, oh, I'm just going to go work for somebody else and have a consistent stream of income where every week I'm going to get paid the same no matter what. And I often have those same thoughts. I don't think about starting my own business, but I've already done that and I did it at an earlier age. So this is a really tricky question and it's, it's a scary one and it's a scary one to answer uh, because there's no right or wrong answer. Um, I'll tell you that, you know, it, it comes down to money over happiness. Um, do you want to challenge yourself and, and literally um, give everything up to make this business successful? That is, that's the million dollar question here. And I would tell you, I would probably give uh, Kim the same advice I gave Peter, um, you know, surround yourself with people that can, you know, give you the feedback and honest feedback and accept that feedback. And is this business something that has legs? Uh, maybe read some books, spend some time online. I, I don't know what this particular business is that she owns, um, but understand the, in the market that she's in, does this translate into future success? Is it going, is it trending in the right direction? Um, I, I do recommend to people and I am the classic example of this. When I left a great job at the Capitol Grill, uh, I was probably in the top 1% of, of salaries for my industry. And I went from that job to making $300 a week running my hamburger place. Now I was, I guess, 40 years old at that point. And it was a big, it was a big risk for me. Um, and my wife had a great job, so we had the fortunate opportunity for having two incomes. And she allowed me to take that risk and that chance. And I'm forever grateful, and I think it's, it's helped us in the long run. But sometimes it is important for you to take this chance, take a couple steps back for a few years. Hopefully you save some money, Kim. And... Give yourself the opportunity for this tremendous challenge that's in front of you. And I guess the last thing I would say is see if you can get yourself a partner. As much as it's great to be a 100% owner, it's great to have another set of eyes to assist you in this, in this adventure, um, possibly some financial resources as well, and as well as take away some of the, the tiresomeness of working 100 hours a week. Um, I guess there's one last thing. If there's any opportunity for you to just curb your hours at your present job um, and see if you can multitask and do both without killing yourself uh, with a partner, 
then that might be an opportunity that your company might, um, you know, uh, be open to. And uh, I think that would be at least my first, my first, uh, my first conversation I would have is saying, how important am I to your company if I was to cut from five days to three days <laughs> or cut my hours or something so I can, you know, uh, you know, follow my dream. No, that's pretty good, Michael. I mean, that's deep. Um, and I think I like how you also brought, you know, your situation into it as far as like kind of showing that these are things that people have to contemplate on a regular basis. You know, for me, it was very similar as working in corporate America, making six figures. And I decided that I wanted to kind of start my own business. And it's definitely something that's a huge risk. Um you know, you have to try, right? And so for me, when I did my analysis, I didn't want to have any regrets. And similar to you, Michael, um, I have a husband who's very supportive. Uh, we had two incomes. And so that definitely doesn't hurt. Um, I know a lot of people who did it on their own with, you know, you name it. I, I met um, last week, one of the founders of the Muse. And I think she told us that she started her company um, with $3,000 in her account. And now she has over 75 million users. And I don't even know what the number is that she's hit with the valuation, but I know that it's, you know, millions of dollars. And so she, and she started, she and her co-founder with $3,000. Um, and so it depends on one, what your idea is. As we said before with Peter, there are some overlaps with the two questions, um, what you're trying to solve. But I think part of this too is, for someone who's been in the same space for 20 years, to me, there's a certain level of familiarity and comfort that she must like. Because to stay in one place for that long, then there's a reason to be there. I mean, she must like it. She must be comfortable there. Um, and she said that, you know, she started this business, her new business, a few years ago, and that it's doing well, but that it would take a long time to replace the salary that she's making at her current in her current profession. And so I think what you said, Michael, was really great. And I was thinking about it when you said it, you know, like how does that apply to like other entrepreneurs or how can they take this information and use it? You said one thing to consider is, is it money versus happiness, right? Um, if one thing is bringing you a lot of money and something else may bring you more happiness, at what point do you kind of look at the scales and the balance and figure out which one is more important to you. Um, she said she likes to travel. I don't know what the new business venture is. I don't know if it's travel related. I don't know if it's incorporating something that she's passionate about or not. Um, but I do think that there comes a point in time where, at least for me, I ask myself, like, what do I enjoy um, and what do I want to do every day and what will I feel good about? What is the legacy that I want to leave? And, you know, I don't know that many people who say, oh, I wish I could have worked more, you know, on an office. Or I wish I could have done, you know, this for somebody else more. I didn't want to regret not starting my own venture. I didn't want to regret not trying. And as a lawyer, like I'm risk averse. Like I don't like doing risky things. Like part of my job is to tell you like everything that could go wrong. right? <laughs> so that's how my brain works. At the same time, having that in the back of my mind, I wanted everything to go right. And so I kind of put that out to the universe and manifested this like positivity of, is this going to succeed? I'm I'm going to be successful at it. And I want to put that kind of message out to the universe for all of our listeners and also for Kim in particular. Um, you know, Shark Tank will ask you all the time, is this your full-time job? 
if it's not who's working in the new venture full time because somebody has to. And so I liked your point about having a partner. Um, hopefully that person will have you know more time or to your point, if she can you know, decrease her time or days or hours at her current position to kind of take in more without killing herself, then that would be great too. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's nice to have the flexibility and freedom when you're an entrepreneur, but with it comes a tremendous amount of responsibility and responsibility is that you're not, you can't just put on a piece of paper and say, oh, these are the things that are going to happen. They're all going to end up you know, happening when you least expect it. So you're, the problem solving is on the fly. <laughs> um, and, and so with Kim, she's going to have to uh, really make a decision how much sacrifice does she want to make, both financially as well as from the standpoint of, of being in a consistent job, um, you know, with all the things that come with a relationship because that's what it is. It's a 20-year it's a relationship with an office with a job. And I have this conversation a lot more now that I've been owning my hamburger places for 12, 13 years now. When I have managers that have been with me a long time and every year I end up having to reevaluate their salary or their, their compensation, I start to sit down with them and I change my focus with them and say, really, what do you want to do when you grow up? And say, do you really want to be a hamburger manager? And as much as I want you to work for me forever, it may not be in their best interest. So I tell you, uh, uh, one of my key employees yesterday uh, came up to me and says, Michael, I need to talk to you. Do you have time this week? And I said, let's just talk now because I know what it's going to be. <laughs> and she says, well, I have this opportunity to be a general manager at another restaurant and I know you've been by me for the last five, six years, and she's worked with me at three different places. And I said, Amelia, I'm really happy for you. This is the next move in your progression of, of your career. So, you know, at some point you need to set people free. And in Kim's position, maybe she's too comfortable. And maybe you need to take this tremendous opportunity and just, you know, throw caution to the wind and hopefully she saves a certain amount of money and she surrounded herself with, by the, with the right people. Um, and she's willing to make the sacrifices. And maybe she has a partner that can assist her if things don't go 100% right. Um, and you have to take, you know, you have, if, if she's such a great employee, which I'm sure she is, then, then maybe there's an opportunity for her to get back into the industry, maybe even the same company. I love that. And, you know, when you were saying that, Michael, I was just kind of seeing this whole thing play out, you know, like having something that to make you move. And I saw a message on Facebook the yesterday, actually, um, and it said, I had to make you uncomfortable. Otherwise, you never would have moved. And so I like that you're saying, like, maybe she's too comfortable in this, this current position and uh, maybe it's time to shake things up. I also like how supportive you were with your uh, employee uh, because sometimes you just need that little push to help to kind of get you to the next level. And it's hard when you're loyal to someone and they're loyal to you and, you know, it's hard to leave. I remember when I left the, the law firm to go in-house, I had to tell one of my mentors who is still to stay a good friend of mine, and not only did I have to tell him I was leaving, I had to ask him for a reference because they needed two references. So I had to tell someone that I had admired who had supported me and my growth and development at the firm that I'm leaving and I need you to help me leave. 
And he was very similar to you in the sentiment of saying, you know, this makes sense. It's a great opportunity. We're going to miss you. But of course, I'm going to support you. Of course, I'm going to help you. And that was really meaningful to me um, because, you know, all these little silos of office jobs or restaurant jobs or any organization, I mean, most people aren't there forever. And you want to make sure you maintain those bridges. You want to make sure that people like remember you and the great things that you're doing to help them along the way. And you never know what that's going to parlay into, right? Yeah. And I think with Kim and with a lot of people out there, whatever the profession they're in, there is a low ceiling of what they're going to make. And if you're hypothetically making 60000 now in the specific job you're in and you've been doing it for 20 years, probably in 10 years from now, you're only going to be making seventy or seventy-five. So like I said before, I think it's important sometimes to take a few steps back to go a few steps further than you can possibly ever go. And to have that opportunity to, to exceed the, the sort of written expectations or the written ceiling that you have is worth it if you're that kind of person. And to me, I was that kind of person. I actually have these conversations with my best friends who are bartenders and servers who make a lot of cash every week. And they're, you know, it's money, it's money, it's money. They can't see anything past, I make this amount of money each week. I make this amount of money each night. And it's it's a drug. And so sometimes you need to go through a business rehab where you say, okay, but if I miss a week of work, I get paid nothing. And if I continue to do this into my prime years and continue to uh, lose those prime years of 30, 40, 50 years old, then you're in trouble when you get to a certain age because you can't start a new business. You can't start working on your your business plan for the future. So I, I really think that people shouldn't become complacent. And as soon as you become complacent, you've lost your vision. I agree. I agree. And what I love about what you said to Michael, it's, it's kind of what I think about on a regular basis, this sort of innovation, like how do you continue to innovate? How do you, how do you continue to be relevant? How do you continue to challenge complacency? And that makes me think of a quote from Henry Ford, which we'll end on as we wrap up with this particular message. And I think it was an interview with Henry Ford, who is, you know, Henry Ford of Ford Motors. And I think the question was, you know, asking him about how he came up with the idea to to create a car. And Henry Ford said something to the effect of, you know, I just had to think of what people needed. If I asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. They didn't have the idea of coming up with a car, but he said, faster horses, try to get faster horses or I can build them a machine that'll be even faster than horses. And so I'll end with that to say, um, we don't know what your new business is, Kim, but it sounds like it's something you're passionate about, something that you started you know, a few years ago and that you're excited enough about it to consider whether or not you should leave the stability that you've had for 20 years to dive into that. And so to me, the fact that you're even thinking about that means that you are curious. You want to know what it would be like to be in the business. And so think about some of the things that Michael and I have talked about. Think about changing your schedule to be more in the business. Maybe you need to transition, you know, like maybe not jump, don't jump right into it. Like, like kind of like Michael and I did a little bit. Maybe you're more of a, you know, cautious entrepreneur and you need a transition period. But nonetheless, keep us posted. We, this is a really great question. We think it's something that really impacts a lot of our listeners. And we'd love to hear like what you do and tell us what that business is. Like maybe we can, uh, we can, we can go check it out. I'm in. I'll buy it. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> 
So, Michael, you have been incredible. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I wish we could take one more. I know, I, guess I, don't have I the know. Time. Well, and you know what will happen. We'll just have you back on the show, oh, but man. only if you bring some treats from Treat House uh, and some treats, Lucky's. burgers, chili cheese fries for your sons. Fantastic. Oh, they love it. Thank you so much, Michael. You've been phenomenal. And thank you, audience, for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Remember, keep the Keep the requests coming in. Keep dialing into our hotline, 646-363-6322. We love to help you out. We have a lot of amazing co-hosts lined up. So continue to support us, and we'll be there to continue to help you navigate through these situations. Thank you. Do you have any barriers that we can help you break through? If so, you can leave a brief message at 646-363-6322 or on our interactive blog at www.breakthroughadr.com. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at the at sign B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H capital A capital D capital R. I'm your host, Damali Peterman, and this is Breakthrough Barriers with Damali. Although I am a lawyer, mediator, and an educator, and many of my co-hosts will represent various professions, we want to be clear that we are not providing legal advice, counseling, or suggestions. Our goal is to provide a roadmap for conflict resolution to generate future conflict resolvers. Continue to break through and have a wonderful day.